Jesus, when we look into your face, when we look into your face, we see you seeing us. We see love. We see compassion. We see tender mercy. We see joy. We see grace. a moment to look into his face like Mary, not looking to the cross that's now empty, not looking to the grave that's now empty, but like Mary, when she went to the tomb, she was looking for one thing, but she found a risen Lord, a risen Saviour who looked in her eyes and called her by name, Mary, Mary, it's me. And she looked into his face and she recognised him. When you look into his face and you recognize him, what does his face say to you? What do his eyes convey to you? He's looking at you with love. Lord Jesus. We take the time to really look, really see. And we thank you that you created the heavens and the earth. But you can look into this room at this moment in this little town in this country. And you can look into our hearts and our eyes and you see and you know and you love every heart here personally passionately if there was only one of us you would die for the one for you lay down your life for all of us and we take this moment to respond with gratitude to you calling us by name. stay in that place of worship, adoration, your eyes transfixed on him. As we move to a time around the word, Lord, help us to hear, to see and to know what you want to say to us today. In your precious name. I love when God interrupts the run sheet. <laughs> welcome, welcome to this place.
Thank you for the opportunity to share with you. I've got some things on my heart. I think God wants to build on, given what he just did then. <laughs> Thanks, God. One of the, um, one of the words that re- has really resonated with me this year was born out of the prayer meeting New Year's Eve. It was the word that, um, that Lottie shared on Envision as well, the word unshakable. It's just been sitting with me, unshakable, standing firm. I was reading my devotion and was going through um, Ephesians 6, the armour of God, and, you know, I felt familiar, but um, it's like God just leapt it off the page at me and I was looking at it with fresh eyes. So I wanted to share that, re-look at it with you today. And I know for some of you it's a familiar uh, it's a familiar passage. It's a familiar concept. Um, who could rattle off the armour of God if I said, what's the armour of God? Who would know what that is? Can list. Who would not know what that is? Okay, who knows? Yes. There's chocolate if you could actually list it. <laughs> Serious. Go. <laughs> no. No. You can just just <laughs> Jesus always works. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And the awesome. I knew someone would be able to rattle it off. I'm like, yes. My husband, my um, son said this morning, I know that. It's the, it's the shield of love. And he did, did the same thing. I'm like, they're all good things. <laughs> we'll claim it all. <laughs> um, but, but there is a very specific verse and passage around the armor of God. And um, I was thinking, um, you know, we're in a spiritual battle and, we, and sometimes we forget about that and what that means and how we can prepare for that. But God's been very specific about how we can prepare and protect and um, there's even some offensive weapons in there. Um, so quick quiz. In getting ready this morning, how many of you had breakfast? I know my husband did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are many of you not having breakfast? You're not very interactive today. You're still in that space. That's fine. Um, did anyone do some exercise? Walk up the stair, stair, stairs, more multiple stairs. Um, spend some time doing hair and makeup. Look at the person next to you and think, yes, you've gone to some effort. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> um, you thought about what you might wear today. Uh, But when you were getting dressed, what were you considering when you were thinking about what to wear? Were you thinking about what the weather's like? It's supposed to rain, hope, but it's hot. Were you thinking about social conditions, what's appropriate in church, uh, what's available, what's clean, what's ready to go? All those things. Um, Did anyone dress with military action in mind this morning? Is anyone wearing something? Yeah, that's almost a little bit camo there. But no one, no one actually put on physical armour. Did anyone 
um, dress normally, but think to put on the spiritual armour of God this morning. I almost didn't, and I've been preparing a message on it. (laughs) We forget that God gives us these really easy, clear um, instructions for our benefit, but it's like something we just rattle off and we just know and it's out there, Um, but it's until we stop and really hone in and really put things on and get amongst it. Um, really, we need a revelation in God to go, this is for you, this is for now, don't miss this. So I'm praying that today, this is your moment where you go, that's what I've been missing, that's what I'm not doing, the answer was there all along and I just need to step into it. So are you ready? Um, I live and work in a community that was devastated by flood, Uh, many of you were as well, this building itself had water through a couple of years ago, replaced the carpet and everything. Um, But as a response, our community centre tried to connect with our community around disaster response and recovery and preparedness. And in that process, I learnt that one in three people will experience a natural disaster in their lifetime. Do you know that? That's kind of like one, two, three. (laughs) Um, That could be fire, flood, tsunami. Not likely in Maitland, but you never know. Or heat wave is probably more likely. Um, most people are complacent even after an event, believing it won't happen to them, it won't happen again, or we don't have a plan in place, even after going through the flood that we did. Uh, one of the best ways to be prepared is to be in relationship, to talk about your plan and prepare together. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, 100% of us are actually going to die at some stage. Aren't you glad that you came to church today to hear that encouraging news? (laughs) Um, So facing the questions, what do I really believe about God, about heaven, hell, the enemy, life, death? They're important questions that all of us are going to have to face. So it's when your worldview collides with your actual experience that we need to um, be considering, am I prepared for this? Because this is a 100% chance of, my phone says 100% chance of rain today. I do not believe it until I see that. (laughs) But this this is one for one. This is something we can prepare about. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I've overcome the world. Many of us feel overcome though by the world. A little bit stressed. It's already February, nearly March, and already I can feel the school, you know, the stress of life and the things we're taking on and we're signing up for sport and there's this committee and that commitment and there's work and there's... The pace of life, I feel, is increasingly overwhelming for a lot of people. A lot of demand, a lot of bombardment by media, a lot of message... And technology, and we're all doing our best, but I wonder how many of us feel like we're not really living a victorious life, like we're just keeping our head above the waves. We're not really walking on the water, we're just, just getting there, feeling overwhelmed. And I feel like some of the principles that um, God is going to show us today will help us step from that overwhelmed to um, walking peacefully confidently, calmly, in a way that's equipped, that's not uh, stressed, in a way that gives us tools 
to deal with some of the uh, some of the things that come against us. So let's pray. Father God, as we come around your word, please reveal and or remind us of the truth of your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear what you want to say, particularly without being prepared spiritually, God. Help us to um, listen to the words you want to uh, say to us in Jesus' name. All right, so let me read through this passage of Scripture that we're familiar with. Um, This is the amplified version, so you can get lots of opportunity to hear. And I want you to notice what God highlights for you. This is from Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 in the Amplified Bible. This is the armour of God. In conclusion, so in conclusion meant this is at the end of the chapter. He's interestingly just been talking about submitting one to another, being humble. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armour of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armour of a heavily armed soldier. Think Russell Crowe, think gladiator. So that you may be able to successfully stand stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armour of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground. Stand your ground in this evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands, to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, unshakable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground. Having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity and moral courage around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness or an upright heart and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective full-body-length shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion and in every season in the Spirit. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. Okay. So have a think what stood out for you. Now, because this is a familiar passage for some of you, and at the risk of you switching off, I've decided to approach this a little differently. I'm going to go through it verse by verse, but I'm going to talk about what not to do. Okay, so this is, let me make this really clear, this is what not to do. So if you would not like to be standing firm, if you would like to be under the waves, if you would like to have that shaky, dangerous faith and feel vulnerable in your spiritual life, 
here's what you can do. So keep in mind, this is what not to do. Okay, if you want to be spiritually shaky, don't be strong in the Lord and his strength. Therefore, do things in your own strength. Do your own thing. Convince yourself life is about you and you only. Trust in your own ability to overcome challenges and then take the glory for it. This will drive a wedge between you and God and cement your own independence. Don't position yourself in the Lord. Resist him and go your own way. Certainly don't trust his strength or sovereignty. Keep your perception of God small and incapable, distant and irrelevant. Pray only for things like car parks and things like that. Don't find strength in the Lord by waiting on him. That might take too long. And who has time for that? Number two, if you want to be spiritually shaky, don't put on all the armour. Ignore that you have an enemy. Don't protect yourself spiritually. That's not this one, Penny. Can you go back one? Thanks, Tom. Assume that all there is to this life is what you can see. Therefore, only enemies you have are other people. Look around. They're your enemies now. (laughs) Assume the government, your boss, that bully, your mother-in-law, the person next to you, your annoying neighbour, that person you've never met who negatively comments on your Facebook page. Assume people are your enemy and do not under any circumstances understand that you have a spiritual enemy called the devil. Assume he's not real, not powerful and certainly not interested in taking you out. Ignore the fact that the battle is going on or turn up completely unprepared with no armour to protect you or no weapon to fight with. Do not under any circumstances take responsibility for understanding your enemy or his strategies against you personally. Just plead ignorance. Number three, if you want to be spiritually shaky, don't stand your ground. Be oblivious to your boundaries and unsure of your place. Don't be aware of the authority Jesus, of Jesus or place yourself squarely under that authority. Certainly don't stand in your authority as a child of God or approach God's throne with uh, grace, the confidence of grace. Be oblivious as to who you are in Christ and with what belongs to you as a co-heir with him. Pay no attention to verses like that one that says that we're more than conquerors through Christ through him who loved us. That's Romans 8, 37, if you're wondering. They only affirm your identity and authority and decrease your spiritual shakiness. So if you want to be really unshaky, don't stand up and take your position in the fight. Don't take your place in the army of the Lord. Leave it to the weird Christians who actually go to prayer meetings and like intercede and have those special gifts. Leave it to those ones. Number four, if you want to be spiritually shaky, remembering this is what not to do, don't take on the belt of truth. Live and take on lies instead. Lie to yourself and to others. Little lies. Listen to the whisper of the father of lies. Hear him say, you're worthless. You're hopeless. You're unlovable. You're beyond hope. Whatever you do, don't immerse yourself in the truth of God's love for you, that he created you and loves you and has a plan for you and approves of you. If you're a believer of lies, it becomes easier then to be a teller of lies to yourself and others. 
So just avoid the truth and people who hold you accountable to it if you don't want to live on spiritually solid ground. If you want to be spiritually shaky, don't put on the breastplate of righteousness. Either trust in your own sense of being a good person, your own good deeds, and hope they'll protect you and tip the scales enough to save you. Or, alternatively, just feel the distance from God. Ignore the fact that our right standing or our closeness, our set-apart holiness, has been purchased for us by Christ. But be determined to feel separated from God, despite the verse that says absolutely nothing can separate you from his love. And while you're at it, if you want to be really spiritually vulnerable, don't guard your heart. Just leave it wide open, whatever you do. Number six, if you want to be spiritually shaky, don't have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. Avoid the peaceful confidence of Christ in you. It will only ground you in the most stressful of circumstances. Instead, be anxious and even fearful as you work out your own salvation, making it near impossible to focus on others. Don't be ready to share the good news. Be unprepared. Feel incapable. Don't even mix with people outside church circles. And certainly don't value your own story, your own testimony. Sharing your experience of Jesus and being interested and willing to lead people to him could lead to unprecedented joy. Affirmation of your own faith, transformation of someone else's life and an increase in the kingdom of God. That's a surefire recipe for spiritual unshakability and we're trying to avoid that. So number seven, if you want to be spiritually shaky under the waves and not on solid ground, don't take up that shield of faith, that full body length shield of faith that covers you. Just doubt God. Question everything you can't see or prove. Believe Wikipedia or better still social media or the opinions of others over the word of God. Never step out in trust or believe the promises of God in the Bible because this will only lead to unshakability. Look instead to your circumstances. Look to the waves to determine how things are going. And remember, don't walk by faith, only by sight. If you want to be spiritually shaky, don't protect your mind with the helmet of salvation. Don't take thoughts captive. Just be at the whim of your mood. Whatever feeling goes through. The opinions of others, the Twitter feed, anything but the reality of your salvation in Christ. Either let your thoughts run free, feeling like there's no need for salvation, you've kind of got it sorted, avoiding humility or your basic humanity that reminds us that we don't cut it on our own. Or go the other way. Just be super religious and judgy <laughs> and like compare yourself to others because that will make you feel better um, and that will be a good way <laughs> to beat yourself up or beat other people up um, and remind everyone that we're all missing the mark. Don't show grace to others either. Comparison is great if you want to be on shaky ground. Whatever you do, don't explore the immense grace that has been shown to us in Christ. 
If you want to be on spiritually shaky ground, do not under any circumstances take up your one offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which I learnt is called a gladius. I know, it's the short one, like in Gladiator, two-edged sword. Ignore the Holy Spirit and his tendency to remind us of the Word. Ignore all the ways God has communicated his love and wisdom to us. That means no Bible reading, no quiet reflective prayer time, no seeking of wise counsel or prophetic input. Do not read or memorise or decorate your house with scripture. Don't speak it out. It will only make you more familiar with the word. And therefore, less spiritually shaky. Uh, Likewise, don't speak spiritual scrutiny scriptural truth to others or encourage or disciple them this will only compromise the shakiness of their spiritual walk and if you do become a hearer of the word be careful not to become a doer of the word because living out the principles of God found in the Bible and being obedient to what Jesus is saying can only lead to solid rock type scenario where storms of life are unlikely to shake your foundation If you want to be spiritually shaky, don't pray. Just don't. (laughs) You are never more unshakable than when you are in communication with God. So no prayers of thanksgiving, no requests for help or provision, no interceding for others. Don't pray for wisdom or healing or strength or anything really. Certainly don't pray in tongues. No calling on the name of Jesus or agreeing with one another in prayer. No sneaky listening for answers to prayer because next thing you know, you'll be filling out a praise card. And that would be detrimental to a less than solid faith. If you don't want to be, if you want to be spiritually shaky, do not be alert. Don't pay attention to the signs of the times or what's going on globally or locally or relationally. Be oblivious, preferably numb to what's going on. Ramp up the shakiness by immersing yourself in a wash of distraction. Social media, addictive behaviour, overwork or busyness, good stuff like sports or ministry. Doesn't matter if you're over busy and you're a little bit distracted and you can't focus, enough of them will nudge you into this shaky world of overwhelm, thus preventing dangerous watchfulness. Finally, If you want to be spiritually shaky, don't persevere. Just give up when it becomes uncomfortable. Just that little bit uncomfortable, I've joined a running group and just as soon as I feel that lactic acid burn, I just want to slow right down, (laughs) sit down in my lane. And Christianity, you know, you've got your own race to run, you're in your own lane, just sit down because it's not like it's a relay or anything. It's not like we have to get to the end and pass anything on. Don't persist with prayer and preparation or you could just find yourself standing firm at the end. That's a lot to take in, isn't it? <laughs> Let me reiterate, that is all what not to do. <laughs> what not to do. In case you're not very good at sarcasm, there is a list of what to do. In case you're a visual learner. Standing firm, rely on God's strength. Use all the protection God offers. Know your enemy. Stand your ground. Know who you are in Christ. Be a person of truth. Identify and replace the enemy's lies. Stay close to God's heart. 
in right standing in Christ. It's only because of Christ we're allowed close to him. Know that right standing. Be at peace. Ready to share your experience of Jesus and lead others. Activate your faith in God. Step out and trust him in something. Guard your thoughts with a salvation mindset. Get to know and speak and love the word. Talk to God first and always. Be alert and be focused and persist. Just stand firm. He said, if you can do all that, just stand. You actually don't have to run the marathon. Just stand. Because if you like it or not, we are in a spiritual battle. There is good and evil, light and dark. You might be part of the percentage of Australians who actually don't believe that there's a, an enemy. The Bible says we have an enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion waiting for who he might devour. And my heart, and I know the heart of God, is that not one would be lost. But even though there was a, there was a, a survey and 68% of people in Australia, of the 1,000 that were surveyed in 2009, believe in God, only 53% believe in life after death, about half believe in heaven, about a third believe in hell, only 30%, 37% believe in the devil. About the same as believe in UFOs. And of that percentage, only 59% of Christians believe in the, that there is a devil. Um, and only 5% of people who would call themselves non-believers would believe there is actually an enemy. So one of the... Um, one of the best tricks of the enemy has been to convince the world that he doesn't exist. So the word says really clearly, don't be ignorant of his schemes. He's God's enemy. We are made in God's image. He is our enemy. Just is. The good thing is God has given us passages like that Ephesians 6 passage to live and breathe and learn and live out. If you want to hear more on this, I heard an excellent series Craig Rochelle did, the Life Church guy who gave you the version app on your phone. Um, it's a series called When the Devil Knocks, and he explores uh, the character of the devil. So he's a deceiver who attacks your mind with lies, an accuser who attacks your heart with accusation, and he's a destroyer. He attacks your life, your will with pride. But luckily, God has given us those weapons. And he showed me that we need those specific weapons with those specific names because of the way the enemy comes at us. So he's given us the belt of truth because the enemy will throw, come at you with deception. The shield of faith because he comes with doubt. Shoes of readiness and peace because he comes with disharmony. He comes with delay tactics, distractions. So you won't be ready to share the gospel he comes with a breastplate of righteousness because the enemy will come at you to divide and bring decoys of sin that look fun but aren't. They lead to death. He gave us the helmet of salvation because the enemy will try to distract you from the pure, simple gospel of grace. He gives us the sword of the Spirit and the word to encourage us because the enemy comes with discouragement. 
And he gave us, he asked us to pray and praise to bridge that gap, step into the throne room because the enemy will say, there's distance between you and God. He's, he's, he doesn't mind if you believe in God, if God's out there. <laughs> but the moment you step into thankful praise, you enter his courts with thanksgiving, you're in his presence, you're thankful, you're praying, you're connecting. That's you and God. That's sacred ground. Resist and the enemy will flee. So don't be afraid. Sometimes talking about this stuff makes people a little bit nervous. Um, just be assured, the word says you already have one victory. The spirit who lives in you is greater than he that is in the world. Jesus has defeated the enemy, conquering sin and death. Colossians 2.15 says, In this way he disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So it's the devil and Jesus, this is not a, is a no contest. Already won, done deal. He's the prince of darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the accuser, but Jesus is our advocate. He stands there advocating for us. He's a liar, but Jesus is truth. He's the destroyer, but Jesus came to give us life and life abundant. So that's why I'll finish with this. I saw a parallel when I was preparing. If the musos want to come up. There's a parallel in putting on the armour of God, but also clothing ourselves in Christ. But in that, change your perception of the fight. So the pictures I found for like for this kind of PowerPoint, you know, they're all warrior pictures and, um, you know, Russell Crowe gladiator types and that's all well and good. Um, but I just felt to share this. When people were expecting Jesus, um, he came in a way that was surprising to many people. He wasn't this triumph when he came on earth. Certainly how he's described in Revelation when he returns is that mighty warrior with a sword coming out of his mouth. And, but as he taught us how to live in this world, he didn't come like this. He came humbly to serve. And when we understand that part of our being clothed is in being clothed in Christ, being clothed in humility, being clothed in gentleness... That's when we understand and really that's when the battle's won. Because I don't know about you, but when the rubber hits the road in real life, it often looks like this for me. I'll be in the middle of an argument and I know I'm right, but I don't want to back down. Um, and I'll be thinking, you know, my husband or my kids, are the, they're the enemy and I'm focused on that, forgetting that the enemy is trying to cause division. You know what breaks it? Me just being humble and going, you're right, I probably should. Apologise. You're right. I need to be more gentle there. You're right. What needs to happen here is love and grace. Not being right. That's where that battle's won. I think that's where we miss it. It's, it's not out here on a battlefield. It's in our hearts. It's in those moments where we choose love. So our armour is Christ. His salvation, his truth and his righteousness his gospel of peace, the faith in him and his word, and our example is Jesus. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, 
humility, gentleness and patience. Over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Those of us who are baptised into Christ have clothed clothed ourselves in him. Let's just take a moment to reflect on how that looks for you in real life. What would it look like and feel like to wake up each morning and put on the armour of God, to be protected, to put on Christ, to put on humility, to be prepared, to be at peace. To feel strong in him, close to him. How might that change the way you approach your day, your week, your family, your workplace, your school? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your protective armour. We thank you that, Jesus, you've defeated sin and death. We can stand firm only in your victory. Lord, sorry for the times we've not been mindful of the spiritual battle we're in or protected ourselves with your truth, your peace, your strength, your righteousness, your word your salvation or by staying connected with you in prayer. Please remind us, Holy Spirit, remind me not to walk out of that door unprepared. Remind me to put on your armour daily and clothe myself in your presence, your compassion, your kindness, your humility, your gentleness, your patience and love because that's what will make a difference transforming in this world and just while we're in this place of reflection just take one more moment and if you're in this place and you've never made a decision to invite Jesus into your life you may have found yourself here invited by a friend or just with questions You may not have thought much about the devil, that there was one or that he might be against you or God's people or you might not have thought much about God and how much he is for you or how much he loves you. So just as you sit, noticing what your heart's doing, the Bible says God is an all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-loving Father who created us with a purpose and a desire to connect with Him. It was our independence, our sin that got in the way of that connection, but Jesus made a way for us so we can be in relationship with God again. He paid the price for our wrongdoing by laying down His life for us so that even though we don't deserve it, we can have forgiveness in this life and eternal life with God in heaven. 
If that's you today and you'd like to know that connection with God for the first time or reconnect with Him afresh, you've tasted it but you've wandered away, I'd like you to pray with me. I invite you to join with me. I'm just going to say a simple prayer and that invites Jesus into your life. And we just sense this morning, this is a drawing a line in the sand for some people. There's just a line that you haven't been willing to cross yet and it's a step of faith. Many of us have done it and it just takes that little bit of courage and what's waiting for you is life and freedom and healing and forgiveness and joy that you've never known. So if that's you, just pray with me and if you want to pray that again, just say these words, Dear God, Thank you for bringing me here today. Thank you for your love and for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my wrongdoing. I'm sorry for my independence. I want to know you. Please forgive me for going my own way. I choose now to follow you. Please come into my life and lead me now and from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If that was you, you prayed that for the first time.